You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, Packer fans? Welcome into the Packers Total Access Post Game Show. My name is Clayton. I'm joined alongside my buddy Jacob here. And you can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. We, uh, if you want to email the show as well, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And it's now a final at Lambeau Field. The Green Bay Packers come out with a 20 to 10 victory over the New Orleans Saints. Really, really fun game to watch. Got to hang out with Pack Daddy, Goose, and my man Jacob here. That was a blast to watch. Jacob, man, what's your uh, initial impressions on the game, dude? How'd you think it went? Oh, man, it was a uh, was a lot better experience than last week for a bunch of different reasons, technologically for us, uh, just being able to watch it on a stream that was semi-synced up, uh, and then being pleasantly surprised by the way that our team performed. I thought that was obviously the biggest part that I was going into it, seeing some of the uh, – the notes from some of the team practices where they were joined together. I was a little worried coming into this game, but I thought we performed much better than what I expected. Awesome. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I think that they came out. First of all, Love came out and he looked a lot more comfortable tonight. The stat line might not suggest it as much, but the thing that I noticed about Jordan Love was the ball was whistling. Um, yeah. Tight spirals all night until the rain came. I felt like he was he was very accurate. I felt like he made great decisions. You didn't see him forcing the ball into coverage. Even when he threw in double coverage against Do- or for Dobbs there, that one play, it was such a safe throw, Jacob. Like it, it seems like some things clicked tonight for him. And we were joking online earlier when we were walking with uh, with Ryan. And if they had pulled him after the first half, the stat line would have been excellent, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that's where you got to take into consideration, gang, that that when you get into the second half, you're playing with a lot of third and fourth stringers, you know, and, and the, the numbers are obviously going to go down. It's easy to be lazy and say, okay, yeah, well, you're going against their third and fourth stringers as well. But a little bit different on the offensive side of the ball, in my opinion. That's why you've seen a little bit of backyard ball take over there later with the, uh, the Danny Etlin touchdown. But just starting from the top, man, I'm going to go through my notes. Jacob, I want to hear some of your notes as well. Um, Dobbs, uh, you know, I, I don't know, dude. Uh, he, he had a, a couple of drops, right, but also made a couple of great catches. And it's it's everything that Scouting Report said coming out of college. It's everything that we've seen, you know, coming out of training camp. It's He'll make contested catches, then drop wide open passes. But one thing's for sure, the kid knows how to get open. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like we talked about last week. He can drop a five-yard crosser. It's right in front of him, right to his hands. And then the next play, he'll go up and extend over the defender and make a circus catch. And you can't sit there and you can't get mad at him as much as you want. I mean, you obviously can't get mad at him. And we talked about on the live stream that we saw a lot of these kind of early problems from guys like Devontae with the drops, maybe even showing some raw stuff with, you know, Greg Jennings and Jordy, a bunch of those guys. But I don't think we've ever seen so much talent flash so quickly as we have with Dobbs. So I'm willing to accept the good with the bad, but it is a little disconcerting to see him do that so consistently. What was he? I believe he was targeted. What do we got here? I think five times. Five times, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, just 
to come around with with come away with only three catches for 24 yards. Granted, he did get the touchdown, and <clears throat> I'm I'm not at all upset or dissuaded by the performance, but I just feel I wish I would have been a little more convinced. I'd like to see him grab me like those those easy crosser routes, dude. Just grab that. You got to snag that. Those are the balls that you know Lazard makes, that Devontae would make. That even you go back to guys like third down specialists, like remember when Geronimo Allison used to come in, and you know he'd at least catch the ball. Just do that. Just do the safe throws. Because if Rogers doesn't trust you to make the safe throws, I don't think he's going to start chucking you, you know, post route balls and deep routes and that kind of stuff. Earn the little things first. One thing about Dobbs and the fact that he makes contested catches, he's getting plenty of opportunities with Love. Love seems to be willing to give him those opportunities. Aaron Rodgers is not going to throw in a double coverage. It's not going to happen. So he's going to have to make those open catches for sure. So. Um, with that being said, you know, another thing that Jordan Love showed, I thought he was accurate, but also his scrambling ability, right? I mean, it, and it's one thing to scramble out of the pocket and look to make a, a big run, right? Those are so few and far between, and they're outside of the scheme or outside of the uh, the offensive scheme, you know. But the, the thing that Jordan did well, and it's what great quarterbacks do. You've seen Aaron do it over the years. You've seen Pat Mahomes do it over the years. Not so much Lamar Jackson, but it's not about scrambling out of the pocket for big gains. It's about scrambling within the pocket and buying yourself time to get to those second, third, and fourth reads, right? So um, that's something that I felt like Jordan did really well tonight as well. But let's go to uh, – we've actually got the video here and the audio for you guys listening on the pod of the Romeo Dobbs touchdown catch. Let's play that real quick. Total yards, he's in there now with a couple tight ends, first and goal. Dobbs, touchdown! What a catch! Brian Allen – was beaten on the play, and the Packers go up. Four-yard touchdown pass. Man, what a catch. I mean, seriously, dude, what a catch. You can watch it as, as I'm watching it again here. Just a back shoulder throw. Absolutely perfect throw by Jordan Love. Dobbs goes up, high points it. And, uh, again, it's been the story of camp. Just another contested catch there uh, for Romeo Dobbs. But uh, what would you think of that touchdown grab, man? I know I came out of my seat. I mean, yeah, we were on the, the live stream. Me and you've got to watch ourselves because we tend to scream and <laughs> rant a little bit more than the other ones. But it's the same thing I just said. I mean, you watch that catch, the extension, the catching at the high point, coming down, the control. He's got the foot, the feet in. And then the play before, you just look at it and you don't think those are the, the same two receivers. You know what I mean? You watch a clip of that guy running a five-yard crosser and ugh, it just falls out of his hands. Um, and then you see that play that he just made and it's just unbelievable. So I, I am still very – bullish on him I, I i know that this is we have to give him a little bit of slack this is the guy you see in his first two preseason games i mean and it, he has kind of a a pattern of showing that he he drops some of the easy stuff but i mean if we can i think that i can trust vrabel and the coaching staff to coach that out of him and that we can progress him as we progress through the season yeah no i agree i completely agree um <clears throat> yeah, and it's funny. You talked about getting excited. Somehow or another, we we keep getting bodied back to these streams, and I don't know why <laughs> because we get rowdy. But I guess that makes it all that much better. Another we didn't thing cuss tonight. Been, what's that? We did not cuss tonight, not once. Hey, we did not. 
we did not get the little halos right above the That's head. Right. We're done good. Um, so McDuffie stood out there in the first quarter. You know that yes, guy was sir. flying to the football. I mean, you're t- and, and Chris Barnes did too. Chris Barnes looked like he was playing at a different level, and it's exactly what we talk about. Barnes is playing for his freaking football life this year. He knows he's up for a contract next year. He's going to hit free agency. He wants to put some tape out there. And then you know McDuffie on the backside. It almost feels like McDuffie is has, is catching Chris Barnes in that backup role. And it was really nice to see Quay Walker calling the plays in the huddle on defense tonight for a little bit more of an extended period of time. What did you think, uh, you know, from McDuffie tonight, dude? Yeah, I mean, McDuffie, like you said, he was flying around. <clears throat> and I believe, yeah, there was a couple plays. Yep. So he had six total tackles, four solo. And again, like you said, he was moving sideline to sideline. He was throwing his body around. And I liked seeing that uh, from him. I mean, that was one of those guys that I kind of wrote off, honestly, in the beginning of training camp. I kind of looked at the depth chart and thought, there's no way that this guy's going to really even maybe practice squad, maybe maybe third string kind of dude. But he's showing that he's got something, uh, you know, a fire underneath him. And I am all for it because I, I really liked him when we, when we drafted him. I thought this could be a possible deep prospect of Goody and – Sure enough, he seems like he's coming around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the negative aspects, kickoff coverage. It was oh. really, to me, it was ugly, you know. Um, got to get that cleaned up. And, again, you've got guys fighting for roster spots, and, and, it, and we know that as you get into the, uh, the you know, the second, third, and fourth quarter, it seems like the players that are on the field for those kickoff, you know, those guys fighting for that bottom roster spot. So who knows if it's going to be actually, you know, the starting, quote-unquote, starting kickoff team. Um, yeah, TJ Slayton showed up again, showed some good pass rush, I felt like, early on. Um, TJ Slayton, man, it's kind of the opposite, right? You got this big body tech. He, he's what I call a, a one three five, right? He, he either plays the one technique, the three technique. Probably not going to see him in the five, more of a one and a three from time to time. Um, but you don't expect him to rush the passer as well as he is this year, right? You think of him just being a big body two gapper, man. What do you think about TJ Slayton? We want to we see better run defense, don't get me wrong, and two gapping. But, man, the guy can get to the quarterback, right? I mean, he only had two tackles, but you watch the way he shot off the off the line. It was impressive. And I I was a guy that loved T.J. Slayton when we drafted him. And, honestly, I'll be, I had no reason to. I just liked him. It's like when a little kid picks his favorite player out. He has, you know, cool tats. I like that guy. I basically saw him. I saw a big, large boulder of a man. And I said, that's nah, my guy. I really think he's going to be great. I had no idea that he would actually progress to be, well, hopefully would progress to be a pass rusher, which, I mean, again, I watched a couple of these plays. I'm interested to see what his PFF grade is going to be specifically in pass rush. Cause I definitely watched him bull rush and then Chuck, like at least two different offensive linemen on three different plays or two different, uh, three different offensive linemen on two different plays. And he just seems like he keeps performing, keeps performing. And then we got the other Slayton, who we'll talk about a little bit later. But we got a lot of guys tonight that on that defensive line, even Devontae Wyatt in the small amounts that I saw, he seemed like he was performing. Um, I'd love to, I can't wait to see Jerron Reed. I can't wait to see what we actually have in Dean Lowry. Um, even guys like Jack Heflin, he didn't he made a couple mistakes here and there, but um <clears throat> there's a couple plays where other guys benefited from the fact that he took on a double team was able to split the double team, force the run back to the weak side where another guy was waiting in pursuit to take him down. And I feel like if the coaches are worth their salt, they're going to look at that and not necessarily see the guy that made the tackle, but the fact that Heflin shot in, split that double team, and was able to make the play. 
Yeah, for sure. All right, we got Coach Matt LaFleur at the podium. Let's see if we can go in and pop in some audio here. And let's see what we got. That, that's going to lead to a much more effective player. Aaron said on Tuesday that if you can't catch the ball, you're not going to play. Romeo's obviously had his fair share of jobs, but is he doing enough good for you that your hand is kind of forced to play him when games start happening? Yeah, we'll see when we get there. I think uh, Romeo's a guy that we've got a lot of confidence in, and certainly he's he made some big plays. Uh, we mentioned the sail route he caught, and then um, the fade ball. I thought he, Jordan threw a nice ball, and he went up and got it. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's not going to be perfect. There's go going to be some some lessons along the way, but I, I, he's a guy that is pretty resilient. He doesn't get phased by a negative play and he just keeps on playing. And so, um, you know, that's what excites you about him because you, you do see a guy that's got really good feet. He's got, he's really good in his transition. He's got a burst. Uh, he's been able to separate, which is something that, I mean, you can't, it's tough to coach <laughs> if you guys can either do it or, or they can't. So, uh, you know, there's stuff to clean up for, for certain, but um, he's a guy that we are excited about, and we'll see where we are come week one. Love it. So there there was Coach LaFleur um, live from Lambeau Field and talking about, you know, you can't coach separation. It's, it's kind of what we talked about, Jacob. You know, we when we broke down in Chalk Talk last week, that separation off the line of scrimmage, and you could hear that, couldn't you, Jacob, that audio just now? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, the separation that he created on the release, right, and just the little things. Like, you either have that or you don't. I'm not saying you can't learn it, but if you come into the league as a rookie and you have those little nuances down, it's like it comes natural. The little things technique-wise that you can do to, to gain an advantage from the wide receiver position is freaking huge, man. Uh, again, I'm not expecting him to come out and be our number one receiver, but he is showing signs of somebody who could really, really contribute as a rookie. I mean, I went from thinking, okay, yeah, he's having a great camp. I think if he comes out and has, you know, maybe four or 500 yards receiving, that'll be a good year for him as a rookie in a late round pick. Now I'm starting to think, my gosh, if he gets on the field, whether it's through an injury or he just beats someone out to, to you know, to be on the, on the field in 11 personnel as a third wide receiver, I mean, this kid may end up with seven, eight hundred yards, you know. But what what did you think about what Lafleur said there with the separation? Yeah, I mean, we've watched him on the replays go through. You know, he burns guys off the line, and if he can just finish, we just need him to finish. Then I think we have something incredibly special. And I also think it's hilarious to think about how judgmental the Packers organization, Gutekunst, uh, Lafleur. Packer fans in general just got all the hate because we didn't draft a receiver in the first round. Well, then we drafted one in the second round. Well, then that receiver gets hurt. Then we draft a, you know, an alignment, whatever it is. We finally get to the fourth round where we take another stab at receiver. And now everybody's talking about how he's the prize pick of the draft and blah, blah. Okay. Well, you guys are really good at like, I don't know, man, just judging things before they happen and then after they happen and then not quite before they, it's just pump the brakes. Watson could still come in and be great. We don't know that yet. Dobbs could still show up and be junk. We don't know that yet. We've right. seen one take a progression, one not really even be on the field. We've seen Torre show up and actually, I think he's been the most reliable of maybe not like have the, the peaks and the lows of necessarily Dobbs, but he seems like I don't see many negative comments on him in practice notes, you know, and um, honestly, at this point, I'm just excited that we got three very, very, I think, great stabs at wide receivers. I'm not exactly sure how they're all going to pan out, but I think each one of the three have a very, very good shot of at least 
making the team, being special teams contributors, being practice squad contributors, but eventually in the next year or two being starters on this offense. And I think that's pretty incredible when you think about it. Yeah, no, I agree, man. Let's go back to LaFleur at the podium and uh, and see what they're talking about now. Yeah, it's so funny because uh, I know he, he had one of those when he was a rookie, I want to say. Was it 87 yards or whatever? Um, so, no, I think Danny, first of all, he is, he is just so much fun to be around. He's got a great personality. He fits in well with those guys, with all the guys. Um, and he's, he's a talented guy. He's a, he's a very good athlete, as, although he did have a little stumble at the end. I didn't know if he was going to fall or not. Um, <laughs> but that was something that, you know, we, that was not called. But he saw the safety barreling down and closing hard on the runner, and there was nobody else out there. So he just pulled it and went, and it was a hell of a decision by him. So I think Danny's done a lot of good things, and you know, um, it's he's he's making our decision very very difficult. Love it, love it. So he's obviously talking about Danny Etling, and I'll tell you, man, he's uh, he's in the running for my dog of the week, Jacob, because that was a. I know people get tired of hearing it, right? Everybody falls in love with the third-string quarterback every single training camp, whether it's Kurt Benkert or Tim Boyle or whoever. But that play that he was referring to there, let's see. I think I've got it here. I'm going to try to pull it up. I, I had it for a little later, but, uh, man, what a run. And this is awesome, too, because you're actually going to see and hear Aaron Rodgers' reaction to this play. Let's check it out. How do you become an honorary black belt? I've heard you talk about this several times this offseason. I want to know, do I have what it takes? Hey, here goes Haley. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? Aaron Rodgers called it. Aaron Rodgers was right. Hedlund takes it in. 51 yard touchdown. What did I tell you? Oh, yeah, baby. I love it. I love it. You gotta love, you gotta absolutely yeah, love awesome. Aaron Rodgers' energy right now, man. I mean, the dude, he he looks like he's having fun. You know, he he, he I think it was last year or the year before. I, I can't remember when he said, How can you not love, how can you not be romantic about football? And and for a little bit it was like he kind of lost that. But now you see him, man. You've got the Nicholas Cage bus in the locker, the AJ, <laughs> AJ Hawks center, one of my favorite all-time players, sent him over. And uh yeah, man, he's just having a blast. And, and seeing him celebrate the third-string quarterback ripping off that run, man, what did you think when you seen that play? Were you as fooled as I was with the camera work? Uh, I, there wasn't anybody in that stadium that thought that Etling was going to peel around and run that ball. I mean, I, yeah, I was amazed. And plus, I did not know that the guy had wheels. I mean, I think Roger said he's like 6'6", but can run. So, I mean, but, uh, the only thing that I'm disappointed of is because when we – originally started the podcast uh, or towards the start of the podcast, he had one rush for 51 yards and that was it. Average 51. That was, you know, for one touchdown, the guy was the uh, Heisman. He must've taken a couple of kneels because now he has four carries for 48 yards and a touchdown <laughs> only averaging 12 yards a rush. Ah, anyways, but besides that, I mean, he's our new uh, touchdown Jesus, right? Third string hey, hero. Come on, man. Put him in, dude. Let's go back to the floor. Let's go back to the floor one more time. The biggest difference with Isaiah McDuffie from last year to this year when you're talking about like mostly group players. Yeah, no, he's done a hell of a job. And and it's just I think knowledge of the game. I think he's really grown. I think 
Um, Kirk Olivadotti does a, a great job with him, and he's got, you know, a guy like Devondre Campbell. I think KB is is a big reason why he's been able to, um, you know, grow so much in a short period of time. And then I, I think you definitely feel his presence on teams, and that that's what we need from him. Matt, um, given what preseason has become, I know as a coach, you, know, you always want more, but have you gotten what you were hoping for out of these first two games in terms of stuff to evaluate or seeing improvement from guys? Or I'm just wondering kind of get a feel because you're not obviously playing your starting line guys to have an idea of what you might have on September 11th. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think it's always it's always tough to to say if you're really getting exactly everything you need and especially when your guys aren't out there but um it's just one of those is is the risk worth the reward type deals and i don't think there's a perfect answer everybody has their own philosophy and i think with whatever you choose you just stick by that and you're confident in that and uh hopefully you get the reps in practice. That's why I thought this week was so beneficial going against the Saints, a, a team that I know we all have a lot of respect for. Um, obviously, they, they whipped us pretty good last year, uh, but they got great players, uh, a great coaching staff, a great scheme. And so I thought it was a good, a really good test for us and to see our guys respond, not only just, you know, by going out there and executing, but being physical. I think that's one thing that we're always looking for is, is how physical we're going to be. And um, they got some dogs on that team in, dogs. in, in every phase. More, please. All right. So that was head coach Matt LaFleur. That's the last time we'll go to him. So another name that stands out, man. Uh, well, first of all, let's get, the, let's get the bad part out of the way here. Tyler Davis. Jacob, talk, no. to, me, talk to me about Tyler Davis. What is I mean, going on, dude? Talk about I mean, Jack Heflin's the trash can full of garbage. I think Tyler Davis is the trash can full of trash. He is just <laughs> hot garbage on a hot summer day, just baking in the sun with sweet, baby diapers sweet, in it. Hot just garbage. Sweet, dirty, nasty swamp garbage. Um, we'll let Ryan probably take that over because I'm sure that tomorrow he'll have a good 10 to 12 minutes specifically set aside for Tyler Davis. I mean, the guy, what he, last week, he, you know, off the hands for an interception. This week, he he can't block he can't catch when he does quote unquote catch he drops it he can't he can't do anything and the fact that we cut dominique daphne for this chump i most of the time i i usually take um my opinion and i wash it within the fact that the gm the packers coaches the organization they know what they're doing and i'm a stupid you know idiot and I get that. Most of the time, they're 100% right. This is one of the times where I think we can all say, we told you so. Tyler Davis is not good. I don't know why you think he's good. At this point, I'd rather have Sal Palmol of Canola Seed or whatever his name is. <laughs> so much there, man, I swear. All right, one good point, though. Tyler Goodson really showed up tonight, right? I mean, Good it, job, it, Goodson. Yeah, I mean – Obviously, they cut Baylor, right? And and it was it came down to those two as far as that cut goes, getting to the eighty five man roster. And uh, yeah, Tyler Goodson really showed up, man. What what was Tyler Goodson's stat line like? What did you think of Tyler Goodson? How did he look to you tonight? Man, Goodson, if I am not mistaken, in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Yeah, 10 yards, I'm sorry, 10 carries for 42 yards, obviously a 4.2, but he also was able to snag one catch for 10 yards. Um, and he was only targeted once. I honestly thought he ran a lot better. He seemed to put his head down. He seemed to make decisive cuts. That being said, I think the offensive line, there was, I think Ryan talked about it, maybe you said it, that there was actually large gaps in the, uh, in the rushing game for the first time in a long time. We had gaps that you could literally drive a truck through. So, um, you know, that obviously is going to help. I like the way that Goodson ran. I was surprised that they started the game off with Taylor. If you remember that, they, they think they had Taylor going pretty strong for the first series and a half. And so that, for some reason, I, I kind of thought, well, maybe they're tipping their hat towards Taylor. But then they definitely pumped the brakes on him. They put Goodson in for the majority of the back half of the first half of all the second quarter. He even was peppered in some of the second half. So I think they like him. I like the way he runs. I'm, I'm not mad they got rid of Baylor. I think that they made the right choice. Yeah, I completely agree, man. Tyler Goodson, and like you said, you know, lowering his head. It sounds so silly, but last week the dude was running straight up and down and getting demolished. I'm thinking he's not going to last long in this league if he continues running like that. So got the pad level situated for not made some great cuts. The thing I noticed, too, about his quickness, some guys use the quickness to a disadvantage. They're too quick to the hole, right? They're too quick to make the move. He seemed a little more patient tonight, and I think that really benefited him. You wait. It's kind of like what we've seen with Le'Veon Bell there several years ago. It's what he was so good at. He would just put their kinda, hand on their back. Yeah, and he would just kind of <laughs> sit behind the line of scrimmage, let the defense commit, and, all right, now I'm gone. You've seen a little bit of that from Goodson tonight. Um, I'm excited about him. And obviously, you know, Dex, Dexter being back on the team, Dexter looks good. But it, to me, it seems like if Kylan Hill's not ready, and I, I made a joke about this, you know, Bill Belichick is huge for this, how players will, an injury will be, quote, unquote, a little more serious than they recently thought, or someone might stub a toe and have to be put on IR. You know, what if they like Goodson better than Kylan Hill, and you leave, you leave Kylan Hill on the pup list and maximize that until week four, right? And then, you know, God forbid something happened to Goodson or happened to one of our running backs, then you can activate, you know, Colin Hill later. It's just a way that you can kind of tweak that roster because Goodson's putting tape out there. And if you try to sneak him onto the practice squad, there's a good chance he gets nabbed up, especially in a yeah. league where, you know, we usually just carry three running backs. you got a team like the Patriots that I follow a little bit close. I mean, they, they might carry five halfbacks. You know, mm -hmm. you never know what they're going to do. Um, this year it's probably changing a little bit because they're kind of switching over to this Shanahan system, this, this you know, 
uh, stretch, you know, outside zone run type thing. But, um, yeah, operations was huge for me tonight, Jacob, um, on field goals, extra points. Pat O'Donnell is making a huge, huge difference. And Matt Schneiden talked about this on the McAfee show, and he talked about it somewhere else as well, that his holding has been basically perfect. And then on top of that, you know, Donald punted the ball really, really well tonight. I mean, I, I felt like he he was great in directional punting, and that's something that Pat McAfee talks about all the time. Whether you like Pat, Mac, Pat McAfee as a, as a person, you know, throw that out the window. He was the PFF all-decade punter, if I remember correctly. I mean, you're talking about one of the best punters in the history of the game. The guy understands the little nuances and how it's not just about having a booming leg. It's about placing the ball in the right direction with the right angle, with, you know, just taking advantage of every little aspect you can of special teams. But, man, I'm feeling more and more confident that the operations side of the field goal unit is going to be fixed this year. And like I said, um, you know, when I heard that, when Basaccia, you know, requested that we bring in O'Donnell, I'm thinking, okay, that'll fix the holding issue. But what are we sacrificing as far as leg talent? I don't think we're sacrificing anything. I think we we definitely upgraded at the punter position, man. And it, it sounds silly. We're in preseason week two, and we're sitting there talking about punters. But my goodness, Jacob, it was horrible last year. What do you think about Pat O'Donnell? Are you, are you a little more at ease? I'm not talking about kickoff coverage, right, and all that stuff. That was horrible tonight. But one aspect, two aspects, the punting game, the pump protection, and also they'll go an extra point. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, before I say anything good about it, I will acknowledge the rest of the special teams, they sucked, man. They sucked just like they always sucked, and they sucked maybe even a little bit harder. So, that being said, <laughs> yeah, Pat O'Donnell, I mean, the guy booted it. He had four punts for 195 yards. Averaging 48.8 inside the 20 three different times. He had a long of 61. Speaking of punting, though, holy moly. The guy, whoever the guy, I don't know what his name is. uh, Blake Gilkin? Gilkin? Five punts for 297 yards, an average of 59.4 with one touchback. He's only inside the 20 once, but he had a long of 81 yards. 81 yards. That was insane. But as far as uh, the, the, the extra point, you know, Ramiz was perfect in that. And also with the field goals, two for two, along with 45. I'm not mad at that. I mean, um, we all hope and pray that Mason Crosby will be fine and ready to go. But like we've said and we've talked about, I think, previously, imagine doing all this breakdown, this, this you know, demolishing our special teams core down to the studs and then rebuilding, and then we have a bad kicker. <laughs> like, that's just – That'd be bad. That'd be bad, man. And I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to even really process that yet. I don't want to think about it. But it's nice to know that Ramiz Ahmed, I believe is his name, can at least walk in there and be serviceable. So, Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, Another negative for me, Amari Rogers, man. Um, You know, we we talked about who is Aaron Rodgers talking about with the drop passes. And I, I know I told you guys on the stream that I kind of felt like he went back on the comment and said that the young guys were, you know, were doing good, but he was mentioning that if, if certain players don't run the right routes, they don't catch the football, they're not going to be on the field. To me, that seems like that it was going to be um, Amari Rogers. And I don't mean to interrupt our segment here, but we got a special guest on the line. We're going to bring him in live from Lambeau Field. We actually have Packer owner Bobby oh. on the line. What's up, Bobby? How you doing, man? How are you, brother? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm doing good out here at Lambeau. Game is over. We won. Nice. Hey, what was uh, – tell me, man, what was the energy like there, if you can hear me? Man, it was awesome. The energy was awesome. You could just feel it, the electricity in there. 
when them lights come on, it's like a different feeling when they play at night than when they play at like a noon game. Cause at night when them lights come on, man, it's it's something special. Like you just get goosebumps and you just front row. Oh my goodness, don't get no better than that. <laughs> Absolutely, and you gotta love it, man. The lights are shining. You got a little bit of a fog over the lights, right? Yeah, it rained. Absolutely. It rained a little bit. We started getting wet a little bit, but. Hey. Everything was all good. I, hey, man. I stayed hey. dry. It's not a game at Lambo with low, without a little bit of weather, right, man? Right. I, I take the rain and the snow, I tell you that. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, Listen, brother, I, we don't want Can I ask Bobby a question real quick? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, man. Hey, Bobby, this is Jacob. Uh, I saw on your Instagram today, or I'm sorry, your Twitter, did Matt LaFleur personally gift you a signed autographed helmet today, or am I crazy? Now, the thing with that is – when I moved here, I got a job working at Greystone. Okay. And at Greystone, a lot of the players and coaches live in that area. So I delivered to Matt LaFleur plenty of times at his house. Wow. So I had a helmet, and instead of a tip, I said, and Matt, I think it was an away game, I believe, because his wife's okay. name is Bree, and uh, she opened the door, and I think it was an away game. So, um, she said, um, he, I said, well, instead of a tip, yeah. Hey, hold on one second. Yep, we go ahead. Gotta get the pictures in. <laughs> my go man. Go man. Go love it. Love it, dude. All right, my bad. But they, um, they, um, so then I told her she was about to give me a tip. You know, they tip great. And I said, okay, if I exchange the tip for, you know, an autograph from Matt LaFleur. And I had a helmet. I had the helmet with me. So I dropped the helmet off with her. Then when Matt got back in town, you know, he signed it and uh, I went and got it. No way. That is yeah. awesome. That's an awesome yeah. story, man. Love it, dude. Love Listen, dude. It's awesome because when I see him, it's just like, hey, there he is. What's going on? And it's, it's just the connections that I have with these players, even Brian Gutekind. I see him all the time. He just said that at training camp. There he is. What's I don't know if he said that to everybody, but. I know he said that to me. Hey, Bobby, let me ask you this question, man. When you were living in Georgia before you moved up to Green Bay, did you ever think that you'd be hanging out with the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, bro? Never. Never did I think any of this. I was just wanting to be where my heart was, and that's just with the team. I had no idea of the things that I was going to do here. Like, no idea. This, These three years I've been here have been amazing. Like, I've done things more than somebody 30 years living here has done and i've been here three years so it's it's been fun and um another another one mike mccarthy when he was a, a coach here i delivered to him too yeah that's and awesome. uh, i got let me see i got his signature right there i don't know if you see it right there mike yeah, mccarthy yeah. i delivered to him and uh he invited me in his house he was like hey come on in and I'm like, oh my God! So I'm stepping in his big old mansion, <laughs> and he had just he had just had surgery because we let him go that season, the off season. But he had just had surgery on his knee, so I didn't want to. Hey, can I get a picture with you? And him to come down the stairs. He was up on his ledge, and um, I was talking to him up there. His wife was downstairs, and he was like, "If I have, if you have anything in your vehicle you want me to sign, I'll sign anything." And I and I always keep Packer stuff in my vehicle. Yeah. So <laughs> I had my hel I had my helmet in there. He signed it, and that's just a minute. And then when you're driving around Green Bay, Mike McCarthy had a big truck, like on those big wheels, lifted, one of them big ones. So every time he see me, he just point at me. And I'm just like, this is crazy. This is amazing. Coach, head coach, he see me, point to me when, you, when you're driving and stuff, because I see him and he see me. 
Love it, dude. Love it. Listen, Bobby, we don't want to cut into your post-game festivities, bro. We can't thank you enough for joining us. Have a blast. Be careful out there. And if you ever need anything, you let us know, brother. All right. I appreciate y'all having the time. Give me time and opportunity, man. Yeah, absolutely. Come on the podcast and everything, man. I appreciate it. Oh, it won't be Thanks, the last Bobby. time, brother. Appreciate you, man. All right. Y'all have a good one. Go Pack Go. Yeah, go Pack, baby. Thanks, Bobby. Oh, dude, that's awesome. awesome. So that's, that's freaking awesome. Right there at Lambeau Field parking lot, man. What a what a good dude. Love that guy, man. Love him. Um, all right, so back to the negative we were talking about. <laughs> man, I don't even want to talk about anything negative now. What right? a segue but, that was. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> so Amari, man, with the drops. Looks great on the jet sweeps. Looks good on the trichannery, right? But, man, the, the drops have just got to stop. And I kind of feel like that's what Aaron was talking about. That's the player he was talking about. I could be wrong, but what did you think of Amari tonight, man? Is there still room for improvement there? Are we – what what – how do you feel? Let me test your pulse on Amari Rogers. I, it was it was definitely troubling. I, I believe a hundred percent that he because he what did we even Ryan tipped his hat and we all heard that remember because what he said uh, when people were speculating whether or not he was maybe talking about Dobbs but he specifically said Dobbs is making plays and doing what he needs to. There's other guys that are not basically doing what they need to do, dropping balls, making mental errors. We all looked at each other in the live stream and we're like, oh, it is Roger. That's not, it's not Dobbs. Yeah. He almost specifically said it by name without saying by name. So like you said, I love watching him on the end of rounds. I love the way they're using him in motion. I love the way that I'm sure Rogers is picking apart what the defense is trying to do based on where Rogers is going. I love that. But as soon as that ball is snapped, we have to believe that you can turn around and make a play even some of the, uh, you know, he did, I think, uh, I think he had a rush. You know, let me see. I think he had like a decent rush. Yeah. Two rushes for 15 yards after seven and a half. That being said, I mean, I just, he didn't wow me. I, I, I remember watching him run and even a couple times I thought that he could have made a couple different jukes, a couple different moves to increase that yardage. And he just, he seems very robotic, very, very not loose with his body. I want him to just kind of relax. He seemed like he was a little more comfortable catching the, the fielding, the punts and that sort of thing. So that's a little bit more encouraging, I guess. But on that punt that it was the 81 yarder, I mean, the guy, he looked like somebody trying to catch like a home run ball and just got behind it and just, and then he started chasing it as it was bouncing. And I'm just looking at him like, man, run away from it. Don't chase it down. Like it's a chicken. <laughs> right. Like he's Rocky chasing a chicken through, you know, <laughs> through the through the slums of Philly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I agree, man. Catching the punts, returning the punts, he seems a lot more comfortable. So I feel like there's been a huge improvement there. That's not an easy thing to do when you're talking about 11 guys, 10 guys bearing down on you while you're vulnerable, staring straight up into the sky, right? But the drops, have got to fix it. Again, later in the game, had some rain that played a factor. You heard Bobby there at Lambeau Field parking lot talking about the rain moved in later. And at one time, it looked like it was coming down pretty good. But um, one of the players that really, really stood out to me was uh, was Micah Abernathy. And uh, he had an interception here. Let's see if we can uh, play this clip real quick of uh, Abernathy's pick that he got there. I believe this came. I'm trying to remember. I think it was in the third quarter, I believe. Saints have five penalties. Second down and 11 for Ian Book. And while oh, was it picked off, the stay in bounds. He may have... With the pick, Mike Abernathy. Love it. And you said we got our Maka back, right? <laughs> That's exactly yeah, yeah. what you said, dude. Um, yeah. I thought it was a, a great job by him. And then it wasn't not too long after that 
he had another big play. Let's play that one here real quick as he broke up a, a screen pass, read it from start to finish. Great, great play by Abernathy right here. Let's uh, let's hit this up real quick. Down 10. Jones in the backfield. Blocked by Penn. Out to Jones. Right well by Abernathy. Oh, it was a rocket. And you could hear Jacob's reaction there, man, because I'm telling you, the dude read the screen. It was textbook blown up. Went right by two blockers. Before the blockers could even turn around to form the wall, Abernathy was just diving at the like, legs. I mean, like what a great Malu or something. Like yeah, and, and knife these, in are, there. these are the type of things that happen. Again, Abernathy was signed just the other day, and we're going, I don't who who is this cat, right? And now all of a sudden, I think it was uh, tonight, it was uh, Scott that went out, right? Was it Scott or Davis that went out with yeah, the Yeah, Vernon Scott seemed like he had a right or um, a left shoulder injury. Yeah, we didn't know if it was a stinger, maybe a partial separation or whatever. Um, but here's Abernathy stepping up and making plays. This is how you make a roster, man. This and special teams just flashing like this. So I was really, really impressed with Abernathy. I felt like he set the tone in the second half for the defense. And, uh, again, it's preseason, but a win's a win, right? And I think he played a huge, huge role in that win. Someone else who did, Jacob, was uh, Kingsley Inigbare. Oh, did you hear that? Kingsley Inigbare, man. He he seemed like he was around the ball. I know he, he got the horse collar penalty there one time. But, man, I, I noticed off the edge, quick off the edge, had a great outside rush all night long. And the thing that's really standing out to me about Kingsley, JJ, whatever you want to call him, the dude is just – he's got a motor, man. He has got a motor and he doesn't stop. What did you think about uh, Inigbare tonight? Yeah, I mean, his stat line looks pathetic. He had, like, one tackle, and that's about it. But if you watch that, he reminds me very of Rashawn Gary-esque in his first year where he'd come around the edge. You're like, oh, my God, he's going to get there. He's going to get there, and he's just, like, a split second too late. There was about five or six different plays where he was oh, a frog hair away from from catching yeah. the quarterback. And Ian Book turned into Mike Vick out, out of nowhere in the last, like, <laughs> quarter and a half. I don't know what happened, but the guy just – I think the sideline was like, all right, screw it, just run, you know, and um, I, I really did. I, I like what Kingsley did. I, I like the motor. Um, and then your Micah guy, man, I just realized he had four tackles, two solo. He had a pass deflection, and he had a tackle for loss. So, yeah, that's definitely a dog. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait, what, what dog? Did you say what? dog? I thought I heard a dog. Hold on a minute, guys. We got a new segment for you. Let's go ahead and cue it up. That's a perfect segue. We're going to call this – Dog of the week. All right. So let's see if we can get this in here. All right. So this is going to be a segment every week where we pick our dog of the week. All right. And uh, this is going to be the just a player of the game from Packers Total Access post game show. And for me, man, it's Abernathy. Hands down. I feel like he set the tone, like I said, in the second half. Uh, forcing turnovers, your your odds of winning the game, winning the turnover differential increased tremendously when you win that turnover differential. And that's a guy that just – he showed up, man. He, he, you're talking about under the lights at Lambeau Field. I guess this – was this his first game as a Packer, am I thinking? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be. First time under the lights, you get a pick. You blow up that screen. I mean, you're talking about creating serious momentum. He's definitely – my dog of the week but uh what do you got man who is your dog there this so week? yeah we had a couple options i was thinking maybe goodson maybe dobbs maybe winfrey but when i came down to it i had to go with another uh, defensive guy slayton not tj as you might think chris slayton number 60 he had five total tackles three solo he's not going to show up on any other stats other than the fact that again he was a guy that was 
very, very doggish on the inside. He was creating, uh, blowing through double teams. There was actually a play where he would have had a tackle for a loss had it not been for a bad uh, penalty on, I believe it was Heflin for a hands to the face. Remember that one, which was not uh, hands to the face. But anyways, um, he just seemed like he was, he's playing for a roster spot, man. He's playing for that sixth position between him, Heflin, and uh, I guess Ford. You know, I, I don't know who I'd tip the hat to slightly, maybe to Heflin, the trash can full of dirt. But <laughs> I, I, Chris Slayton has made a lot of plays and a lot of plays where you can't turn away. I think that even the announcers in the game said he's making it really hard for the coaches to cut this guy. And he, he'd be a great guy, I think, for a practice squad. I don't think he's been on any other – maybe he's – oh, no, I believe he actually was with um, the 49ers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. Anybody that's been on the 49er defense, even if they get cut off that defensive line, they're probably pretty good because they've got a very deep, deep stack there. So, yeah, yeah, that's my dog. Love it, love it. Yeah, he's somebody who's turning his man, and it, it's so much so that you know we talk about, um, you know, we talk about T.J. Slayton and his pass rushing ability so oh, far. He looked good again, though. He, I, yeah. I'll guarantee you that he probably had a, a better than 13 percent pass rush win rate or whatever it was. Yeah, um, and, he and like, I'm eager to. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, just multiple plays. I saw him chuck an offensive lineman. He's so slow he can't quite get to the Ian book, but he was trying. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with Kingsley, I'm really, really excited about seeing his PFF grade because you kind of hit the nail on the head. He didn't show up in the stat column, but every play that he was in on, you could just see him disrupting the pocket, right, and uh, and somebody that's just, you know, making a difference. I, I really believe that. But Chris Slayton, I don't, I don't see any way that he makes – the 53 but like you said he he's he's making a very very good case for for making one of those 16 spots on the practice squad for sure and uh who knows man that you, you put yourself in that position you run into injury issues later in the season next thing you know you get activated and you've got your shot right i mean that's what that's what preseason's all about too so um yeah i think we covered everything is there anything else that you want to hit on jacob that stands out to you anything uh anything that might you know come to mind here before we sign off I mean, honestly, just just the fact that we saw what love love looked really, really good in the first quarter and then trailing in the you know back half of the second quarter or in the first half of the second quarter. And like you said, we as they start playing with lesser talent, people think, well, then he should do better. That's not how it works. You have to keep in mind that he's only going to do as well as the offensive linemen that are blocking for him. He's only going to do as well as the receivers that are catching his balls. And so to see that he kind of took a regression as the game went on. I don't think that we should look at that as necessarily a tell that he's going to be bad. I think we should more look at it as if, if we were to put him with the ones, look at how much better he could be versus, you know what I'm saying? If he's playing with the threes, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I agree, man. I agree. So uh, as we wrap up here, let's kind of look ahead to next week, right? Obviously we'll be back on Sunday. Um, with another Packers total access, and it's going to be chalk talk. I'm really excited, uh, Jacob. I'm going to get your input and see, hey, what play would you like to break down? What 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 would be your pick? I'm going to pick mine. We'll see if we can find some common ground. And what we're going to do on chalk talk is is going to the X's and O's. We're going to we're going to tell you everything from the personnel down to the the play design, what they were trying to trying to do from a schematic approach, right? And then how the play played out. We've got several several different options there. I want to say Danny Etling, but it's just too it's too simple. <laughs> I mean it was literally they said it best. Take the cameraman out. Yeah. He literally 
looked up. You heard LaFleur say it in his presser. He looked up. The whole edge crashed on the running back, and he's like, you know what? I think I'll just take this one to the house. <laughs> so that's going to be a tough one. But looking ahead, like I said, Sunday, we're going to do Chalk Talk episode. Any news and notes we'll throw in there. Also, on the 23rd, which is Tuesday, you're going to have our 80-man cut down, okay? So we're going to get down to the 80-man roster. You're going to have five more Packers cut. I'm eager to see who makes the cut there or who doesn't, rather. And then, uh, obviously, Thursday night will be Packers at Chiefs. We'll be back with another uh, another post-game edition of Packers Total Access. So, with that being said, I think we've got everything covered here, Jacob. Appreciate your time, brother. We're going to go ahead and get out of here. And, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back uh, Sunday. You going to join me for Sunday? You Are you free for that? Yes, sir. All right, cool. We need to get us some rest in, right? It's been a long day. So, <laughs> anyways, yeah. thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We really appreciate you guys on Twitter, on YouTube. You guys are awesome. And, uh, and obviously, everybody listening to the pod tomorrow, um, really, really appreciate your time. So, uh, as always, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go.